Hey, I'm Pat B. And I'm Adam Willis. And you're listening to The Geek Down here on WEMF Radio. Dude, where's the Geek Forward by Kill me. Oh. oh, coming to you with technical difficulties. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Geek Down here on WEMF. I am Pat B. Thought it was fast. Hold it. Hold it. So much fun. Got all that out, though. <laughs> Got it all out. I tried. I tried. Um, nah, dude. Welcome to another episode of The Geek Down on WEMF. I am Pat B. In the house, of course, my main dude who's staying his name is Black Adam Willis. Yes, sir. Thank you for the introduction, as always, my friend. We've got a full house in here, too. Dude. I can tell because my mustache is sweating. That's how hot it is. Well, you can, you're, rock, you're rocking the Magnum P.I. <laughs> I respect it very yeah, much. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah Good no, Tom Selleck. This, yeah. this is a full house. Uh, normally, we have just the, uh, the staunch, really tight... You know, close knit group, and now we got an interloper. I'm mm. looking, of course, at our. Uh, no, no, no. Dude. Always welcome. Though. Very happy to have you, our most distinguished guest, Mr. Wes Hazard. Hello, hello. Thanks for having me. Pretty, really happy to be here. Of, of course, welcome. thank you. He's going to give us the lowdown on the secret worlds of Boston Comic Con CBS web series, all about uh, Comic Con. It's coming up in August. Uh, the people behind it, who is it important to, who is it for, and just a general vibe of uh, geekdom in the city. Sounds like nothing we do on this show. I don't know why you're I here. Hate right <laughs> I, got, I got the wrong information. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, li- I like that. I got. I got. I got. I got to coach you on like just like I don't know, getting the depth in that voice. You got to say with some bass because it's not. <clears throat> if I may, the secret worlds of comic. It's like you got to get from here. He has that golden smile voice. Right under the breast. You know, right on the right on the titas, man. You gotta really reach down deep. These I feel you're a bad coach. Worlds. You've been telling me to do that for years, and I still sound this way. You so. listen to nothing. I I walk in. You're looking at porn before the show. What? what it was on the desk. Oh yeah, it was on, it was, <laughs> it was on the desk, mom. I'm just mm. looking, I'm just reading for the articles. Mm. Now I'm messing this with you. This is my day job, non-threatening voice. I'm just trying to make people <laughs> soothe. Exactly. There. It's all. It's all good. I'm not trying to offend anybody early. It's a nighttime, man. You can bust out the rear. <laughs> no, no, no. We are happy to have you, man. Thank you. Really appreciate uh, it. We're going to get a little more from Wes in a little bit, but also first, I want to introduce the rest of the peanut galley, of course. I got to throw it over to my man, just Johnny. Yep. Mm-hmm. Be ever understated. And also, the green hair in the corner belies. Oh, you're hiding the hair. I didn't even look. I have a hat you on today. Me. Oh, I got played. For those who can't see, oh, you didn't see who I am first. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. The, I need of course, a proper introduction. The, to most, the, mortal dis- realm. the most distinguished, <laughs> the most frightening, the most evil and heinous, the spookiest of the spooky. <laughs> Mix macabre. So, hey. For those who can't see, my hat says that I'm not interested in being polite or heterosexual. Oh, wow. <laughs> Me neither anymore. I, I'm, I'm somewhere <laughs> along the lines with one of those. Is that okay? Are we, are I mean, it's friends? okay. We'll make we'll make an exception mm, as right. long as your mustache isn't sweaty. <laughs> There's only room for one. It of doesn't stop. <laughs> I can't control that. that All right, of course. Out. Before we get to the material, I got to introduce my man, Herbie Herb. Hey guys. Keeps sounding amazing and crisp and delicious every week. Thank you very much. We have an action packed, fun filled mm-hmm. show for you. But first, we gotta get to the, I mean, the actual news portion. Cause, dude, I'm a little sad, man. Mm-hmm. George A. Romero. Yeah. The legendary horror uh, filmmakers passed away. Yeah. The power. Mm-hmm. Truly one of the greats in the horror genre, but just not only, I mean, obviously well known for zombie media, but yeah. also he just did so much more like creep show, like incredible, worked a lot with Stephen King on some incredible mm-hmm. projects. So. Yeah, dude, his work is... So how big zombies are now and everyone, you know, it's, it's all because of this one man, yeah. <laughs> well, no, I, yeah. I attribute it to him, but I mean, honestly, the terror that it's, that it's ar- ar- arisen, you just heard Mix Macabre say that they 
I hate, I hate zombies. zombies. Actually, I have a real quick story with, with uh, the departed uh, Jordi yeah. Romero. Uh, when I was in college, Emerson College, there was a screening done of the new Day of the De- Dawn of the Dead, the new Dawn of the Dead film. And I sat through that whole movie with my friends saying, oh, go to this movie with us. We'll buy you tickets to a ska show if you want to sit with us. I'm like, all right, fine, I'll go. And I, they bribed me with the toasters. Mm. And so I was completely terrified and I'm like sobbing, crying, watching this movie. And afterward, there was a Q&A with Mr. Romero. Mm. And my friends raised their hand like they're going to ask a question, but they really just keep pointing at me saying, our friend is terrified of zombies because of you. <laughs> Did you they say are, thank you? <laughs> and he actually called me up. He said, get up here, get up here. And he gave me a hug. And he goes, you really that scared of zombies? I mean, I have a tear streaming down my face, terrified. Wow. He goes, you really you really that scared of zombies? And mm-hmm. I said, oh, yes, yes, it's all your fault. And he just goes, good. <laughs> <laughs> With the exactly. satisfaction of a man who knew exactly. he had done his job well and thoroughly. And it was just a nice moment i mean he was really you know cheeky and engaging and clearly amused that someone was there that was so distraught mm-hmm. and it's not a joke pat can attest to this he, yeah, he keeps yeah. trying to get me to review zombie media i'm but sorry he it's sent me to walker stalker con two years ago like, i was so, no i did not ask to go pat i did okay, not ask right. to go I, what is it about zombies that uh um, freak you out without getting too deep into it i have a fear of things that are basically use your body without you deciding for it brain trauma fungal things globsnaga there's a lot of things that aren't good and i just don't like the idea of reanimated corpses i'm okay with vampires Uh, but i draw the line at zombies and his work though like vampires have a better fashion like here's the thing though i keep watching them like i hate it so much but it's a testament to how good some of his films were that like the original night of living dead is an amazing amazing movie and that one didn't heck me up as bad is these mm. really like fanciful, you know, land of the dead. Yeah, it's kind of I like was not 1960s, okay. Nineteen sixties, you know, early black and white film. Like the people were more villains than the zombies. But were well, that's I mean, that's how it always is, though. That's what kind of makes that genre. It when a zombie movie is just like, oh, we're running from zombies. It's not as engaging as the real meat of zombie films. You know, now we have, you know, Walking Dead, etc. The yeah, whole thing is the humans. Say, the Walking, yeah, Death the walking zombies, Dead man. is the people. It's really... But the whole thing started with Romero's work of really exploring not so much the relationship of, like, human versus zombie, the way the survivors would engage with each other. What does it mean to be a survivor? What does it mean if you're faced with this catastrophic apocalypse? How do you behave? Do you rise above it? Do you sink to be the lowest common denominator? And that's something that he really engaged in. Um, Was Day of the Dead the one where they made one of the zombies kind of work for them? Um, Uh, I remember that. Return of the the Living Dead where they had the one that they hammered in the table. No, 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 no. no. That's a totally different movie. That's the one with the punks in the graveyard, buddy. That's a totally... See, look, I've I've seen all of these once. They haunt me forever. But no, I'm talking about the one that he's the military. He's in the military and they like use him. want a man. Why are you like this? <laughs> I'm sorry. But he also made a, a statement setting them in like malls and stuff. That's uh, talking about well, capitalism yeah, exactly. and, and doing this. Is like where the first place you would go? Oh, to a shopping mall. Yeah. Yeah. I know he did more than just Safe zombies. Place. I don't want to harp on this too much, but I do want to also illustrate that he gave us the modern interpretation of zombies as we know it. Yeah. Before then, zombies like us, being, being the Haitian in the room, if I may, zombies were always uh, steeped in, uh, in spiritualism and uh, certain cultures around the world. And they were, um, they were entities used for purpose you know they weren't just the mindless things you know uh eating people and uh, even even more so in um actual media mm-hmm. the first recognized 
um, appearance of zombies in any kind of fiction, dig this was the Smurfs. Really? Yeah. 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 An old, old Smurfs that. comic. Well, correction, Should've an known. old comic about um, the uh, the two kids on that show who, for some reason, yeah, Johan and what's his name, his, his weird old friend. Oh, no. Uh, they had these blue, fri- these blue friends that lived in the forest, and something was taking over them and causing them to turn black and uh, basically devour their friends. And it was like this whole <laughs> horrible story because it was European. Sure. But George Romero was the one that changed us from that interpretation to now we have the more creepy, the more um, human mm. uh, threat of the people that are dead come back to life and can only be killed. What do you think makes it so popular, though? Why is the zombies genre so big right now? That's a broader question. I actually want to ask um, proclaimed horror aficionado and oddly silent radio guest Wes Hazard about that. What do you think, my friend? I'm just enjoying the vibe, uh, but... Uh, you know, <laughs> the vibe of me hating zombies. <laughs> well, I will say, first of all, Romero, uh, one big advance from him, His all of his zombies were, for the most part, slow. Yeah. I think nowadays they tend to be little track stars, so that's a little Which bit... Which doesn't make different. any sense. Yeah. It's a little well, bit that's weird. That's like the infected, that's how they... they, they yeah, made it make but they're sense. alive. No, they're not alive. But they, they run fast. Yeah. They jump, right. climb. They drive planes. They <laughs> do. They algebra. parallel park. They do the. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> they're just quiet people. No, they, I they mean, get perms. I think the reason that they people keep returning to them and they're so popular is that they're a blank slate. Um, you know, sort of going on with uh, with Mixed Macabre saying is that you can sort of put whatever you want onto yeah. a zombie. It's like, you know, whatever your culture, whatever your vibe is, whatever your concerns are politically, yeah. socially, you can project that onto the zombies. And Did the government cause it? Them. Was it something science Plus, going awry? There's yeah. a lot of commentary that can be made through Plus the zombie Plus you can mythos. kill them without feeling bad, you know what I mean? You can pick them <laughs> off by the dozen. Yeah, if you want a high body count, you can just you know, <laughs> right, keep right. them coming. To be fair, one of my favorite things to do when I've had a bad day, I'm just like pissed off. I go home and I pop in the game Dead Rising because nah. it is—it's the video game interpretation of—I um, think it was Return of the Living Dead. You're just one guy in a mall with endless hordes of zombies, and anything you can get your hands on is a weapon. I go get a lawn chair—that's a weapon. You know, I go to the uh, to the sporting goods store. I'm just hitting them with cleats. You know, and you judge me weapons. for liking Super Duper Pooper too. Well, that's. <sighs> Okay, I'm about, to lose, I'm about to lose our credibility here. But no, just to bring it back real quick, because we're running a little long, and we've talked about zombies. Notice, this is the effect of George Romero's work. We brought up several versions of uh, several um, of his movies, and this is only one topic. I met the man briefly. He came um, at the um, at the screening at the Brattle Theater here in Boston, here in lovely yep. Boston, Massachusetts, uh, for his uh, for the screening of his last movie. And he was a really nice guy. Took a Q and A afterwards. He spoke yeah, to us. Yeah, that's like, like an Emerson. He had a, he had like a forty five minute Q and A. And this mm-hmm. was just at a college. Like a, yeah, it was yeah. really really but cool dude. He's at that point where he's freaking George Romero, and he still does that stuff. That's what's awesome. I've never been to a uh, to a screening where Quentin Tarantino sat around <laughs> and just BS with us about action films. He would. According to his reputation, he still hasn't. I'm waiting for it. Yeah. Quentin was yeah, he, good. He, he, he turned know. down your birthday party invite, too. Oh, hey, man. Don't bring up. Why you got to bring up old, painful stuff? <laughs> yeah, exactly. That hurts, Adam. Mm. No, no. Um, basically, we're going a little long. I just want to say, George A. Romero, you've obviously affected us all. And, I mean, do May he rest in peace. Absolutely. And not for real, come that back. means a lot. Yes. Yeah, that means a lot for him. <laughs> we checked on him recently. Sure? Yeah. <laughs> and then that movie with the eight horses. If we find this dude down to Suffolk Downs, I'm calling somebody. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. All right. So um, now I want to get to the man of the hour real quick, Mr. Wes Hazard. Hey, yeah. Uh, thank you so much for having me. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. Properly shake your hand on the radio. <laughs> Everybody saw If you that. shake your hand well enough, they can hear it. Try it. That's no, a sense. Maybe a little bit. Dogs. Dogs. We've high five. <laughs> five seconds of air time on that, on that visual gag. 
<laughs> all right, so, dude, you are here. Well, first of all, if anyone who doesn't know Wes Hazard, this man right here is one of Boston's uh, foremost comedians at this time. Um, okay, now, uh, I'm, I want to make sure I get my facts straight. You were named uh, one of the Boston Globe's five uh, top comedians to watch out for. Yep, uh, that was a little while ago. Uh, very happy about that. Really appreciate it. In 1992, <laughs> I would still have the banner up, you know. Uh, but uh, a little bit more recently, you know, uh, what we're here to talk about today is the Secret Worlds of Boston Comic Con and CBS uh, web series that I did. Happy to say that uh, just uh, two weeks ago, won an Emmy. For, yep, uh, Best that was Host awesome. Yeah, it was really well happy. deserved. Yeah. The pound of respect. Thank you. Yeah, so you know, thanks for having us. I think uh, a lot of people that you talk to are the same people that we're trying to appeal to with our show. Mm -hmm. uh, it's all about the essence of Boston and its geek culture. So we've talked to comic shop owners, we've talked to cosplayers, uh, you know, con attendees, mm -hmm. the whole works, and just trying to get. It's both to uh, speak to those specific groups who are already invested in that sort of stuff, the geek culture, mm -hmm. but also just the general audience who might be a little bit intimidated. Like Comic Con, obviously. It's a great time. It's good fun, but if you're not really hooked into that, it can be a little intimidating. Oh, absolutely. Cosplaying, you're not, you know, you don't read comic books. You're not sure what's going on. So, just uh, letting people know that it's just people, you know, doing their own thing, uh, getting really into what they're into. Cool. I'm also glad that you're um, you're holding this in Boston. Boston is a uh, one of the few places around the country that has an influx of various different types of conventions. Yeah. Fandoms just run abound, but if you're into games, uh, board games exclusively, card games exclusively, or video games, or all of them, uh, this is a place that can. I want to say no less than five different conventions. Oh, absolutely. Them. Yeah, uh, if you're into uh, if you're into books, if you're into comics, or you know just straight text books. Yep. You know, there's different conventions for that. They all come through the city. If you're into films, dude, there's not just there's not just a uh, 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 well convention for enthusiasts and horror enthusiasts. Mix macabre there. You sent me to Walker Stalker and you Con. Loved it. You did. I still have the message, the correspondence of right, me being well. like really bad. Walker Stalker Con. <laughs> well, what I'm getting at is this is a great place to hold that because we have accoutrements available to various people. Sure. Anyone who comes to the show might want to check out any of these afterwards. Yeah, you want to get a sense of, you know, just how wild it is, how much it appeals to so many different audiences. Last year, uh, I was at Comic-Con, I walked around, took some pictures of the cosplayers, talked to a bunch of artists, but then that night, went to Star Trek night at Fenway, mm. and, you know, uh, my friend and I, I'm proud to say, probably the only two people to ever walk in the Fenway Park in full head-to-toe TNG uniforms and not get curb stomped. So I was really <laughs> happy about that. Hell yeah, and people, right. you know, giving us high-fives and everything, it was just a real cool vibe, and you saw William Shatner throw out the first pitch, so, I mean, it there's something for everybody. You don't have to be. Did he clear the plate? Did he clear the plate? Funny story. I do have a story about that. First time, no. And if you've ever wanted to see thirty thousand people boo William Shatner, um, I mean that is something colors. that appeals to me. <laughs> the captain, captain gets a second have... pitch, though. Yeah. yeah, but he 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 did the most Captain Kirk thing ever. I mean, I wouldn't. I've never. Wait, wait, wait. wait what well, he made out with the plate? What's going on? <laughs> uh, that would be, that would be the second most Captain Kirk. Well, so like, I've bombed on stage, but I've never been booed by all of Fenway Park for throwing a bad pitch. He hung his head and he started to walk to the dugout, and he got halfway there and he just shook his head. He's like, nah. And he walked right back up, mm -hmm. picked up another ball, and threw that thing right across the plate. Perfect standing There's ovation. It was the most Captain Kirk baller moment I've ever seen. He doesn't in my believe in a no-win situation. Yeah. Is, is it wrong yeah. that in my head I'm picturing as he's walking back? You hear that is a good move, though. That's a power move right there. No, really? That's awesome. There's a message about falling off a horse, getting back. Yeah, up this year's Boston Comic Con also looks totally insane. Like it has the Stanley's going to be back. Yeah. Almost the full cast of Rocky Horror Picture Show will be there. Yep, exactly. Mm -hmm. 
You know, of course, they have all the cosplay contest, um, all your favorite artists, both indie and super mainstream. It's going to be a good time. Are you a cosplayer? Uh, I I will wear a costume. I'm not a cosplayer. So, for okay. example, two years ago, I cosplayed for the first time. Mm-hmm. I had a Gandalf costume lying around from a comedy thing <laughs> a year ago. Hadn't used it since. As I say, just lying around. Just, yeah, just yeah, put it on here, and yeah. went down. I, I learned a very important lesson about Boston, and that is that no matter how nerdy you are, if you look like me and you dress up as Gandalf the Grey, people are just going to call you Black Gandalf. So, uh, <laughs> that's Boston. I'm not you. laughing. <laughs> All right. No, I'm, I'm just going to say um, I feel your pain uh, as somebody who's been known as Black Captain N, um, <laughs> Black Mighty Max, um, Black Bishop, which is weird because Bishop is black. Yeah, he general. is. Uh, yeah, yeah no, that's some interesting ones they throw your out. Your Captain there. N is really good, though. Oh, thank you very much from from the expert in the room. Because, uh, no, this person <laughs> I right am an avid cosplayer. is yes. a avid and serious legit cosplayer. I don't know if you noticed the tattoo on their uh, oh, left arm there. I've seen the Loki. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Wes has seen Wes, Wes, Wes has seen Well, you performed Loki. in a comic book store before. Yeah, I, I have, oh, no kidding. Yes. Yeah, Kamikaze, back in the day. Indeed. Adam, we've been left out of the loop. You hear this? Yeah, I, I did a whole stand-up as uh, Ash Ketchum once. It was great. Yep. Oh, jeez. Yeah, we're talking about getting her to do uh, Mad Mardigan, hopefully from Willow. I wanted to, I was, well, that's, that's like a, that's a dream cosplay. That's for my me. dream. For I was you, saying all I ever want to cosplay is men over six feet tall. So we're bringing <laughs> we're bringing back the Willow from yes. last week. Never <laughs> 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 It's no escape. All right, got a little too nerdy for me there for a second. Mm. I saw I saw your Gandalf thing. It was great. Yeah, it was a good time. I enjoyed myself. Would ten out of ten would do again. So hopefully, <laughs> I'll see everybody out there at uh, Boston Comic. Where are you, you going to cosplay this year? I'm thinking about. I, I might be Jordy. Um, seems a little bit too easy. I was, uh, you know, just general TNG last year. So I got to think about it. If I'm welcome to ideas, I think I can. Pull I mean, no, no, I, I, I got an idea. I don't know if you ever watched Star Trek ideas. Voyager, but I'm, think, like I'm, this, I'm, I'm thinking Herogen Pat, why you like species eight four seven two. That was your mantis impression, my brother. Eight four seven two has to be the most difficult cosplay. Like they're half, I know. They're half I mean, invisible. I think yeah, it could be you into the deep Pat end, could have, my man. Pat could have thrown out the crystalline entity from Next Generation, but oh, okay. is, yeah. is there still time? <laughs> yeah, we'll get you one of those big bubble costumes, right? <laughs> yeah, no, we'll do it. Um, Winston's uh, okay. more. I'll, I'll, I'll be, uh, I'll, yeah, be right? I'll, I'll be lore. Okay, but like right when, right when the well, you know I got data ready. You know I got data ready. So I'm gonna do is I'm gonna need you to cut off my head, Adam. Okay, dedication all all day. We'll get there all day. <laughs> all right, so give us um, give our listening audiences uh, one more time the actual day where they can check this out. Okay, so uh, Secret Worlds of Boston Comic Con, uh, CBS Boston. It's going to be on the web. A couple clips might be uh, on air as well. Just check it out. It's going to be airing a little bit before uh, Comic Con. July 31st, you can t- definitely check that out. Mm-hmm. And uh, again, that's the Secret Worlds of Boston Comic Con. I'm Wes Hazard, W-E-S, Hazard Like Danger. I'm on Twitter, Instagram. I'll be posting about it, and yeah, it'll be a good time. And check you out at Comic Con. I will be there. Oh uh, yeah, awesome. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Thanks for having and me. And hold on, while, while I got you here, as someone who's known you for approximately handshake. three years, why is it taking this long to get Wes Hazard on this show? Wait, Wes has never been on before? Wes has never been on before. That's absurd. I've talked to this man That's so absurd. many times, and I've been like, hey, man, want to get you on the show and represent. He's like, he's here yeah, now. I was like, who are us? Uh, we're Don't look back, I, Pat. Look that, is, that is a lie. <laughs> I'm Why very happy to be here. I'd love to come to again. <laughs> <laughs> nah, I'm just kidding, brother. Thank you very much Thank for you. Uh, having us. Keep doing what you're doing, guys. I love the show. Thank oh, you. Appreciate, appreciate it. it. I'm glad you can make it. All right, I'll now I want to kick it over to my man, Just Johnny. Why don't you slide down a little bit? You want to get comfortable? You, wanna, you, wanna, you wanna, don't want to feel sexy with the Spread captain? Spread my wings a little bit, you know? Come on, feel sexy with the captain. No, I, just, everybody, everybody. I have my own zone, man. <laughs> I can't have my own zone? No, it's all good. It's all good. I'm messing with you. All right, so kick it over to just Johnny. You got to check out Netflix's Castlevania. 
Oh, yeah. I was surprised when written I saw this Written by Warren pop-up. Ellis. Whipping it good. Late really? on this, man. He was written by Warren Ellis. Uh, all right. So, uh, Castlevania ha- is a uh, video game franchise, and there hasn't really been uh, any sort of adaptations to, it, at least in the West, uh, to any other sort of form of media, entertainment media. Uh, so, and there has been, you know, way back in the early 90s, you mentioned Captain N. Mm-hmm. You know, it did have yeah, Simon yeah, yeah, Belmont. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> sure did. <laughs> on that they, show. They, they was kind of, he was like, I don't know, he was like a weird uh, poof in that show, man. He, he used his mirror more than he used his whip. In yes, he show. did. <laughs> you know, honestly, I saw the show before I played the game. I thought that's who he was. Uh, I thought he was like the uh, guy who talked like this. <laughs> uh, it's a more, terrible night for a yeah. curse. <laughs> He, he was more like a Indiana Jones than he was a, a Belmont than that. But uh, anyway, uh, so this is a real hard R, very mature animated uh, TV series attempt uh, on Netflix uh, mm-hmm. for the Castlevania franchise. Yep. And I say attempt, uh, and I'll get into reasons why it's an yeah, attempt I was right ask now. About that. Well, all right. I'll I'll just bring well, it out. Right right I mean, go at your own pace there, but like you know, we will go into the details. We will go into the details. Right. Okay. So this takes place in uh, of all the Castlevania games, and there's a very long history of Castlevania, and there's a lot to the story. Mm-hmm. There's many different Belmonts that go through, even non-Belmonts that go through and destroy Dracula. So the gist of it is, there will be uh, some sort of character, this vampire hunter, that will eventually kill. Uh, Dracula, or yeah. is supposed to kill Dracula. Mm-hmm. That's the general format. Uh, this TV series takes place during Castlevania. Uh, it, the prelude, if you will, to Castlevania Three, which came out on the NES. Mm-hmm. Castlevania Three introduced Trevor Belmont, which one. is the predecessor to Simon Belmont, which was mm-hmm. the prior two Castlevania games, and it also introduces uh, Bellinadas or something like Bellinata. that. I, awesome. I, I, I forget Lovely. her name. Uh, Sophie Bellinadas or Sarah... So- Sophie? Harry Belafonte. Uh, yeah, it's Harry Belafonte. <laughs> and uh, Alucard. And also uh, Grant Dynasty, some weird Wait, what, guy. What about Count Dracula? Oh, yeah, he was there episode one. Awesome. Yeah, he, he, <laughs> Yeah. You got you got to have him as as the opener. All right, now here's why I'm here's why I'm uh, I'm I'm at kind of a failing. I um I played a, a, uh, the early Nintendo games. I didn't follow the series, so they introduced characters and like. There's a lot uh, of characters. Yeah, but yeah. Like, some of them were prequels. Right? Yeah, they yeah. didn't. Yeah, they're not in any particular order. It jumps. Well, there there is an order, but well, the way they release that's them. That's what I mean. That's yeah, what I mean. Yeah, the way they release them, there is an order, but there is a timeline mm-hmm. that uh, mirrors our our timeline, right? So there are hard dates, right? There's a, a special event that happens in 1999. There's a special event that happens in seven somewhere in the 1700s. Mm-hmm. Something that happens in the 1800s, et cetera, et cetera. And they all uh, are reflected in the show. Uh, not in so it follows the events that happen uh, just before Castlevania three, which is with Trevor Belmont, which is in I think the fifteen hundreds, so it or fifteen or sixteen hundreds, which follows Trevor Belmont leading up to uh, getting into the castle itself, okay. and that's where uh, so it starts off sort of explaining why Dracula has reemerged to terrorize humanity. Uh, and he places this curse upon the people because they, I don't want to say any spoilers, but they, uh, humanity does something really, really stupid Damn you, and very, very <laughs> topical for, or, or very, very much in line with the time frame mm-hmm. that 
that uh, the world is in at that moment. It was Almost the invention of new Coke, wasn't it? That, that was really <laughs> pissed off. Uh, they yeah. brought back Crystal Pepsi. You know, you know, humanity like back Pepsi. in the day, they they you know what? burned you know certain ladies at the stake yes, because they. of you yeah, know they had terrible haircuts, so they had to yep, go. terrible haircuts and stuff like that. So humanity did something stupid for the sake of you know the church and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So it really sort of. Uh, it sort of puts the Catholic Church or, or the Christian Church. I don't think they say Catholics. Yeah, the, Scienti- the Church of Scientology. Yeah. Yeah, they, they put a Christian church mm-hmm. sort of at the forefront and sort of center the at least the reasoning behind why Dracula is doing these deeds uh, because of how humanity and how the church has sort of done this massive foobar and continued to disregard uh, because of false pretenses, if you will. Mm-hmm. And the story takes uh, takes on after that, where it then switches. So the first episode, completely dedicated to Dracula and uh, and sort of his his sort of curse, his, his vengeance upon humanity. Wait, so a question um, real quick, not to interrupt you, but does this follow, uh, you said it takes place before the game, does this follow a direct storyline that affects the games? Like, if I haven't played all the games in the series, will I be completely confused? I mean, without, well, I'll be obviously not knowing a couple characters, will I be okay. just completely lost? You'll recognize some of the characters, mm-hmm. and you have to play Castlevania three in order to get uh, to realize what is actually happening. Mm-hmm. You don't have to play it, but if you if you did play it, you'll be like, ah, that's what they're doing. That's what they're doing. And like, you're you're gonna start to get like really excited, even if you haven't played Castlevania three. You're gonna get really excited. Anyway, because there are so many things in there that are yeah, sort of nods to Castlevania. There's all types of oh, velvet yeah. curtains. I mean, come on. He, he throws I'm an axe. Right it does the arc. I mean, there, there's he's telling villagers to put together uh, holy water. He's like salting weapons. It's it's some really good stuff. Uh, salted a lot weapons are delicious. Yeah, yeah. Re- really good head nods. The uh, so. The story, you know, continues on from there. It, it, so, first episode with Dracula. The remaining episodes focuses on uh, Trevor Belmont mm-hmm. and the lead up into things. Now, this is a four episode long TV series. Mm-hmm. So, they, it's essentially l- about the length of a movie, probably a little less. It doesn't get anywhere. No. Mm-hmm. It it ends it ends <laughs> no. at a spot that is about to get somewhere. Yeah. But it doesn't. That's why I said it. It feels like a pilot. It it does. Feel it like feels a like a pilot. I also watch it. I love Castlevania, so I checked yeah. it out. That's what they're doing, though. It, they're, they're but, but they didn't pitch more. it as that. But that's the, that's a the problem. That's kind of what John's yeah. getting at. They didn't say like, "Here's the pilot for Castlevania." They said, "Here's Castlevania. We finished yeah. it, and it's presented as a series." But it feels like it's setting up a real series that doesn't exist. Wow. But I think they're they're yep. coming out with new episodes like soon. They're yep. like doing this as like an introduction, and this is what it's based. Agreed. They, they did announce a season two, and it's going to be double the episodes, so it'll be somewhere right around eight episodes long. So hopefully that actually does it justice. To but, me, the writing's been pretty good. Yeah. It just is very bland content-wise, if you will. That I feel like the writing, like it's it's funny. It's it, a funny yeah. show. Wait, it, it definitely you picks just up. Said tells me raw, gritty, horrific. No, it's Nothing. funny. No, Pat. I'm not it's got Castlevania, a lot of Castlevania is ridiculous. There's okay. gore. There, there is. Go- yeah. Th- this Don't is definitely a very there's, serious there's comedy, take. Comedy gore. This is a very serious take on Castlevania, but the comedy is with the characters. Yeah. And how 
Uh, okay, they, so I guess I'm, okay. some of them are weirdos. Like, okay, there's no so, way yeah. to put it. Like, some of the characters are very eccentric. So you have them in this universe where there is a lot of gore and there's a lot of action, but it's right, you know kind of kind of freaky so, people. Adam, being it's a very dark humor. <laughs> yeah, Adam. Here's what I'm hearing, and tell me if you go along with this. Um, okay, so a crying clown vampire slips on a banana peel <laughs> and impales I mean, himself onto it. Mean, it like, I mean, it's a terrible movie. Where it's just like it has both. Uh-oh. Oh, the Ghosts. Oh, but yeah, it sounds scary. like a Sam Raimi movie almost, you know yeah, what I mean? Totally. So it's just like... Honestly, that's actually that, not yeah. a bad description yeah. of Castlevania. there, but it's also like, you'll oh. scare the crap out of you, too. Okay. Yeah, th there's a bit of that humor, yeah. Uh, so, yep, that that is one major uh, sort of thing about this that is an issue, is that it's too short. It's going in the right direction, but with only four episodes, th it's, yeah. they are definitely setting up a lot for something else in the future, but only four episodes, so it's as, you know. I just wish okay. that they kind of were like, here's the pilot yeah. to Castlevania, yeah. well, and I'm, I feel I'm, I would have watched it with a better eye. I'm glad they didn't pull a duck band. That's what I thought you were all saying, where it's like, uh, oh, we yeah, have no, this whole like series, it ends on a cliffhanger, and you get nothing else. It is a cliffhanger, though. Yeah. Well, it is a cliffhanger, but we're getting a season two. We're getting a season two. They announced it okay. immediately, so I, th I think the day after or something like that. They they de they definitely announced it very quick. The other, the only other thing that I was really upset with mm -hmm. was, and this is sort of a staple of Castlevania. It is for the video games. It is one of the franch video game franchise that has the most memorable soundtracks. Yeah, without a doubt. And this TV series. Did not reflect that. Yeah, I, don't I didn't hear a single why. thing. They could have just yeah. reused stuff that already existed. They yeah, they should any, have. There's no music, music uh, from the uh, from the games. No, no, um, no interpretations of it. Many bosses. There might uh, have been some very subtle things in the background, but not enough to for me to immediately. Now, I have the a a Castlevania 20th anniversary soundtrack CD so Why I would I recognize that stuff I would I would be like right on I'd be like oh 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 it's you know it's bloody tears or whatever you know I would recognize it but I didn't as long as they use some do I hear there's like really recognizable hands. guitar riffs and like this is this is some yeah. of like really iconic music okay it was it was a letdown for the music wise for for the soundtrack for this. So only it would be wait, a letdown wait, the for Castlevania. Wasn't by yes. Wilson Phillips because that that's a letdown too. No, no, no I'd be okay. here for that. You, for Wilson Phillips. Yeah. Ew. What? Don't stop. No. I'm basic. Her, Herb, cut her mic. Okay, so I want to um, I want to hear whether or not you would recommend people uh, people check this out or not. Yeah, I mean, if you want blood, gore, vampires, and Castlevania all in the all in the frame, the shell of Castlevania. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, this will give it to you, but it's gonna whet your appetite. It's not gonna satiate you at all. You're gonna have to wait. <laughs> How long, man? You're, you're gonna be bloodthirsty after this. <laughs> you're gonna be oh. one more. <laughs> all right, well, it's, Castle, it's Castlevania on Netflix now. Um, apparently receives a recommendation, but also, I guess, what, ca cautionary recommendation? Yeah, yeah, I mean, you're gonna be wanting more after it, so. All right. Okay, so it's just a taste. It's the just fir it's first just a taste, taste is free. It's it's yep. The first taste of blood is free. All right, all right. I'm gonna kick it over to Mix Macabre now. Yo, what up? Uh, who has the inside stuff on Midboss? Yeah. So mm. uh, it's a really cute game, and you play Coming from the heart. All right. So you you know when you're in a dungeon and you're playing an RPG and there's all sorts of ooky spooky monsters that you got to go fight. Well, you play as one of the monsters who's trying to move up the ranks. 
And okay, so, where you're in training, you're an intern. Basically, intern yeah. So then you have this little like fire sprite with you, mm-hmm. and you are a demon trying to like move up the ranks. And the the game opens with this really cute cutscene of a skeleton and a zombie basically making fun of you for being in the lowest, crappiest chamber of the dungeon that you're in. Mm-hmm. And the goal of the game is basically you move up the ranks of the kind of villain chain, if you will, by moving throughout this dungeon. And your skills are to possess other characters. Okay, so it's So like you can possess them and use them and use their bodies to move forward in the game, which also causes hilarious cutscenes. Well, okay, are you... Is this like... It's like you're solving puzzles then? Yep, it is indeed a little bit of a puzzle game because uh-huh. depending on who you are possessing, you will have different skills, different abilities, mm-hmm. and different things that you can do. Well, that's cool. And Adam uh, loves a good puzzle. you move with the keyboard, which I enjoyed because I, uh, this is on Steam. I was playing on Steam, and I, I don't have a mouse, which is something that I know. I'm a terrible gamer, guys. I only really play Lord of the Rings online, and which I should have a mouse for. And... Uh, so I like games that you can use keyboard to, to move around because it, it worked well for me. And I, it just was really simplistic. And the artwork is really cute, almost like cell shaded a little bit. But what I think struck me the most about it is the fact that it didn't ever feel repetitive, no matter how many things that I was doing. I mean, I only I, mean, I only played it for like an hour and a half. I'm not going to pretend that I sat there for like 12 hours playing this well, game. Is the game that short? Is that why? Nothing I really? did not finish the game, mm-hmm. but lots of things happen is what I'm saying. Like nothing felt repetitive. So you'd move into a new room and you'd say, okay, I can possess this character. Cause basically what you're kind of choosing is, all right, let's say there's three monsters in a room. Yes. You know, you're pl- kind of playing uh, for the kids out there. Uh, FMK. If, if anyone knows what that means. Mm, no. Uh, full motion. Kick yeah. Farty McCrunch. Yeah. That's the one. <laughs> and so you, you basically, you're playing like, do I want to possess this character? Do I want to just kill them outright? Because you also have like an attack that you can use. Mm-hmm. And you, of course, you have kind of like this like fire sprite with you that's like your snarky little fairy almost, like in Zelda. Hey, uh, yeah, I'm, uh, yeah, that's exactly. Hey, listen. No, but hey, it's it's mean listen. to you, and I like that. I'm here for it. It's very tsundere, and listen, I can get down with that. Hey, and listen, you son of- the hey. gameplay was just really, again, simplistic, but in a way that's engaging, mm-hmm. where you would have a scenario where you're like, okay, if I possess the skeleton, because like everything has, you know, the skeleton, for example, you're already a skeleton, so you can walk through a fire trap, <laughs> for example. Mm-hmm. So, okay. But if you're right. the that zombie, makes... it's going to disintegrate in the fire. Mm-hmm. So ah, it's just, okay. you know, there's lots of little quirks to it. And so... I enjoyed that aspect of it, so it never felt too repetitive, even though, to be honest, every room that you move into, the it's, it's basically, at the same time of it being almost like a turn-based RPG, it's also basically an escape the room, because it's like, okay, I'm in this room now, how do I get out of here? Oh, well, there's spikes on the floor. Oh, well, this character can jump over the spikes, and it's just... Uh, this is sounding a lot more intricate than the original impression I got. Yeah, no, it's very... But it's cutesy in style, and, mm-hmm. I, and I like that, though, that it's, it's spoopy, if you will. Okay. Uh, it's not spooky, it's one. spoopy. All right. All right, so then I take it this was a uh, positive experience? Yeah, I mean, again, it's nothing too innovative. I'm not going to sit here and say, wow, mid-boss really blew my socks off. Mm-hmm. But it was a very pleasant game and something that I enjoyed that I definitely will, when I have more time, go back to and explore further. Okay. That I certainly was enjoying my time. And I feel what made it for me was that the dialogue in the game was quirky and fun. The little kind of fire sprite reminds me a lot of Calcifer from Howl's Moving Castle, that kind of like snarky, you know, I'll burn your bacon, where it's like, I'll help you, but I don't really want to. And it's 
very it had like a fun storyline to it. You know, you you want to get to be the, the top demon, if you will. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, the other characters were really funny. The first thing that happens is the skeleton and then the zombie come in. They start antagonizing you. And it's like, the skeleton's like, this is where you belong, with the rats. And there's just like wow. one rat oh, chilling with you. Yes, is that. And he's trying to get the zombie. To, he's like, isn't that right, zombie? And of course, the zombie can only groan at you. Uh, yeah. And it's just Zombie's like, so funny. A Nazi salute. This game's I, I found it just to be a fun and engaging little game mm-hmm. and perfect the perfect kind of like what encapsulates a steam game for me something that's made designed for steam and meant to be like you know a popcorn game if you will like ah oh, i want to play something a couple hours i'll play mid boss and it was fun quick action exactly like you don't it's not something that you're going to get sucked into all day nor is it something though that i feel you'll get tired of quickly mm. okay if you're into this sort of almost Again, it's a half turn-based RPG, kind of half puzzle game. Okay, I'm I'm I'm, I'm digging it. Thank you. All right, the game is mid boss. Yes, available on Steam mid-boss. now. Mm-hmm. And the proper thumbs up for Mix Macau. I'll give it two thumbs up. Awesome. All right. Mm. And now yep. I look to my left. Black Adam Willis, you have the lowdown, the proper props mm-hmm. on the beguiled. The beguiled, mm-hmm. yes, yes, yes. And this is based off a old book by uh, Thomas Cullen. It was also a movie in 1971. I think it was at uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I did not know that. Uh, Dine, uh, Don Seigel mm-hmm. uh, directed this movie. A uh, much I, different version uh, is this one. Well, it's, uh, this that. one is, of course, directed by uh, Sofia Coppola. Mm-hmm. And she actually won Best Director at the Cannes Film Festival for this little feature. Okay. Um, um, and went over and checked this out at the Coolidge, uh, of course, where I see most of my movies. And uh, stars Nicole Kidman, Colin Farrell, Kirsten Dunst, Elle Fanning. Uh, very, very, very beautiful movie. Very, 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 very subtle. Pale women. Yes. And uh, this is set like like, almost. right at the end of the Civil War. Make Tilda Swinton look deep African. All right. Get it out of your system now. <laughs> Come on, man. Okay. We have my fun. All right. I said, set at the end of the Civil War, and this is in a tr- uh, an old schoolhouse, and these all these women live there because basically all the men are off fighting the war, and the slaves that tended the house have all escaped. And so these women are all there by themselves, about five of them, and one of them is the youngest, is out picking mushrooms one day, and she stumbles upon this wounded uh, Yankee soldier. Mm-hmm. And instead of running for help, she kind of helps him to the house, and these women, you know, knowing that he's still an enemy, take him in, because that's the Christian thing to do, and they lock him in this room, and they tend to his wounds. And after a few days of him being there, injured in the room, and not having seen a man or really any, you know, anybody in in what appears to be a long time that they all really subtly start just to change a little bit in terms of how they act in terms of how they dress you'll notice like oh they're going to dinner and one oh, she's wearing like a she's wearing a one woman's wearing a gold locket yeah. it's like oh why are you doing that it's because the presence of a man is having this weird uh, subtle but profound effect hmm. on these yeah. women. And I, I, I've got some videos that start like this. <laughs> right? Ex- so do I. <laughs> it's actually in this book. Um, but it's it's really, and that's what the movie's about, it's kind of the, like how these women are responding to this man. And, the, and Colin Farrell, of course, is the soldier, and he's He's an Irish soldier who came to America and he took a man's place in the war for like a couple hundred bucks or okay, something like that. Okay, so that's like good. That. He's not he's not BS in an American accent or anything. Or no. even worse, a southern accent. No, no, no. So, okay. yeah, he, he's a soldier who kind of like took a, a man's place and then instantly regrets it. And I guess the story is he was in this battle and he... 
uh, ran away once uh, he was injured uh, in his leg, and then he ran away, and that's where he was found. Um, but like while this movie's playing out, you know they have this big old like southern house, and you can hear these bombs exploding off into the distance. So it shows like the war is still right in people's backyards, mm-hmm. and. Instead of, they, they always kind of make the threat that they're going to tell, you know, the other soldiers they're going to put what is like a, a blue handkerchief on the door and that lets someone know that there's yeah, an the enemy there. The rooms are knocking. Yeah. Uh, so, rooms are, ah, I screwed it up. So he ends up staying there for quite a while and then he stays there past when he's uh, all healed up and then the women really don't want to get rid of him even though they said like once you're healed you got to get out of here you're the enemy you know what I mean you're disturbing us wait but then so it's like the turmoil isn't his there. fault then it's, it's this no and he's playing each of these women too to a point like you know as a friendship and you can tell that a lot of these women are just they're young they haven't seen a man they're all hormones you know what I mean a lot of them are really like this it's this sexual thing that takes place it's this loneliness thing and it's like basically they're projecting a lot of the stuff onto this man who's providing all these different things for each of them and mm-hmm. so it gets a little there's some jealousy that goes on with them and it's just it's really interesting the way it develops and how crazy it gets in the ending and the ending and you know i'm not going to give any spoilers but it came well, just, comes to a pretty great quick. conclusion what's the rating on this because i'm getting x <laughs> no, 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 no. But that's the thing because it's the end of the Civil War, and it's all this. It's basically a story of what happens when you repress all those feelings, when you're just lit. You're basically just trying to forget. So it's just like, even the sight of a man's bare chest is enough to send one woman almost to faint. You know what I mean? So nothing is explicit. Like she's washing him at the beginning. You know what I mean? He has a wounded leg, and she takes his shirt off, and she's like, kind of breathe deeply. She hasn't seen a man in a long time, like that. And he recognizes. And he's like, Wow, when's the last time you've been with somebody? And she's like, oh, had a on, husband man. before the war. You, you know may what as I mean? well give him the uh, the pool cleaner's uniform. I was about it's, to say, like, this is exactly this is exactly that. And of course, it, it builds up and it and it kind of blows up in a way you're really not expecting. And that's one of the pleasures of this movie. But it's really it's acted to perfection. Just like I said, the the subtlety at which they're all affected and you see it and you, it's almost funny and they you know you have to laugh because you're like how repressed these women are mm-hmm. you know what i mean and how they're out of school you know what i mean they're and they even though there's no one around there's no men around there's nothing going on they still like have this formality and this uh, to their day where it's just like you say your prayers you go work on the yard and you and you have your lessons you still have to be a proper lady you know what I mean? So, like, While that stuff bathing, still matters, and they wait till random the strangers. Is over. You must be as prim and proper as you can. <laughs> exactly. I mean, ain't that the way? Yeah. yeah. But there's you a, it's run a, your hands down his supple, rippled body. It's, under it's, the, it's, under it's the like that. There's, water. there's a funny scene where um, under the water. Pat, are you got in for TJ job reading fan fiction at my shows? <laughs> uh, no, I've I've heard your fan fiction. That is frightening. <laughs> There is a funny scene where they're out because obviously there's no one there to tend the land or anything like that. So it shows them trying to like till a garden and they just don't know what they're doing. You know what I mean? It's okay. just it's subtle things like that that are uh, really funny. Um, this movie also got a little bit of uh, controversy surrounding yeah, it yeah, too. Yeah, I remember this. And it has something to do with because in the book, um, I think the only black character in the book was this slave named Maddie. And it was left out of the movie. And she was kind of getting some heat for that. I was like, why do you leave that character out? Mm. Um, it's like kind of, a, a, you know, accused of whitewashing the movie. And she's like, no, that's not it at all. I think uh, her quote I have it written here is, uh, uh, my intentions in choosing to make a film in this world were not to celebrate a way of life whose time was over, but rather to explore the high cost of denial and repressions. Basically saying that having this woman here, which she also said this, uh, this black character was 
uh, almost a character in the first place. So having her there would have kind of taken away from what she was trying mm. to show. Mm -hmm. She doesn't want the Civil War to be a subplot because that'd be almost more offensive. You know what I mean? It wouldn't be this r this racial stuff to be a subplot. Mm. She, it's like if you don't have enough time to to vote to that then what's the point? So she wanted to shoot the film, she wanted to film, and she felt that character would be actually taking away and would do the proper respect it needed. Mm -hmm. So I, uh, you know, uh, applaud her choice in doing that and sticking to her vision. Um, and the, I think this movie was great. There's also a, a incest subplot that was left out, thankfully, um, that had something to do with this. So, which I guess in the book is more of a big deal. It actually ties most of the book together. It's something that, like I, I have not read it, but she left that out. Isn't leaving something major like the, you're saying? Even though that was left out, the story didn't suffer. But it was no. I think the story she wanted to tell used the book and used these characters, but it doesn't tell the exact story that the book was telling. She used to to kind of to talk about the, these women being so repressed and and what that does to people. Mm. You know mm. what I mean? And the way that can kind of show itself, and in the ugly way it can kind of show itself mm. amongst a small community of women. Mm. And it's very interesting. That's obviously the bread and butter of this movie, and it's fascinating to watch. I said so. Anything that would take away from that, I thought would do a disservice to what was actually filmed. So okay. this movie, for what it was, I thought was was fantastic. It was you know brilliantly directed. The acting was fantastic as well. Um, she has this great way. She, I mean, Kirsten Dunst has worked with her a bunch of times. She does a, such a great job in this movie. Nicole Kidman as well is the kind of the the den mother of all these young women trying to keep it together in the face of you know having the war in your backyard and trying yeah. to keep all these women safe. Having the sexy... The and sexy having, yeah, solution. Elle Fanning is just a, a just a ball of hormones and you can see it come out and it's just, it's so it's so fascinating the way the way that kind of it plays out, like I said, and it builds to this fantastic conclusion that you it's it's a, it's very disturbing a little explicit then, mm -hmm. but uh, yeah, I would I would leave that to, to you actually going to see it to, to find out, but it... it oh, I'm gives, seeing it, all right. It gives my, uh, gets my approval 100%. I would go check this out. This is at Coolidge, I think it's probably a couple, a couple of the other theaters there, but that's where I saw it. So, yeah, this is a great film. Awesome. Cool. Mm -hmm. All right. Um, okay. Well, along that same vein, uh, I got to check out The Little Hours, an independent movie starring David Franco, mm. uh, brother of James Franco. He's, but no, he's coming one. into his own. Really? You've been checking out uh, Dave Franco <laughs> yeah. there? He's got a square head, man. It's yeah. Weird. He's a little uh, Well, also starring Kate Micucci with Aubrey Plaza. Uh, the Little Hours is a uh, story of a, a young man who was a servant for a wealthy landowner slash soldier who was having an affair with the man's wife. The man finds out. So, I want to see this so badly. Yeah, I, I just, just saw a movie with... Uh, I didn't have any time last week. I just saw a film with him in it, and he's so good. Yeah, uh, Nick Offerman, Ron Swanson? Yeah. <laughs> the actor, obviously. <laughs> Wait, he's not really Ron Swanson? His mustache is Ron. His mustache is Ron Swanson. <laughs> uh, the Little Hours is a story about uh, he's seeking refuge, and he finds it in this local convent where the uh, priest hides him to protect him from the nuns by saying he's a deaf mute, to keep him out of trouble, to keep them interacting with him too much. Naturally, things go awry when these nuns are also their people with hormones, they're sick of their work, they need some excitement, and they're also horrible, horrible bees to the current <laughs> helper who just up and quits. Mm -hmm. It's not really a sex comedy. There's a lot of sex comedy elements. It's not really a horror comedy, even though a few of those do pop up too. Mm -hmm. It's a real hodgepodge of different story types. Is that was, a good thing or a bad thing? That sounds like that could be not work. In most cases, that's a bad thing, but at some point you stop taking the story seriously. 
because it's very loose, they uh, introduce several different points that seem like they're going to be the main focus of the movie. One of the nuns is there because her father is working on a dowry to marry his daughter off. So he's and, hiding uh, her in a convent until that? Time? He's not hiding her in a convent. That's more like the storage area. That's like the staging Stash area. Stash her in a ready. place where she's not going to, you know, be deflowered? You know, just, it, just yeah. keep her pure so they get more money for her. And it's like, it's like a really <laughs> weird so standpoint. so awful. It is, but so it seems like that's going to be the main focus. Yeah. Like, how does she cope? Is she going to be the main uh, protagonist? Mm, it's just kind of one of those things that they throw in. Another storyline is two of the nuns have this, like, love-hate relationship with each other and with the uh, rest of the convent and with women in general. Mm-hmm. And that seems like something that could be a movie in its own. And it's just kind of like a secondary plot. Everything is a secondary plot, including the one that brought this uh, young man to this convent in the first place. It presents all different types of nun stereotypes and priest stereotypes like and a, stuff. Uh, a more serious sister act. Very serious point. It had several serious points. I don't want to seem like I'm focusing too much on those because, I mean, I'll be honest with you, this is just an excuse to see these comedians go nuts. Yeah. Dr. Brule, Steve Brule. Th- th- thank you, yes. John C. Riley. John C. Riley. I love his That's work. I forgot his name. Out. I should be ashamed of myself. He plays the uh, main priest and he does a great job and a very understated performance. Both he and Molly Shannon this give very understated performances. Especially he was a, a priest in another movie. I just uh, finally saw Kong Skull Island and John C. Riley like wrecked me in it. He was he was pretty good in that. We uh, reviewed that sucker and once we got past Sam Jackson calling Kong <laughs> a mo- it, it was, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was, in, he was in Chicago. It was like crazy good. I never expected mm-hmm. him to be that great in a musical. He was also in that ridiculous circus movie where vampires and... Don't talk to me about Cirque du Freak like it's not one of the greatest movies awful, ever made based scary. on one of my favorite he was children's the high book point series. Of a very low movie. Salma Hayek is in that movie. Oh, stop it. You see uh, Kate McCucci's boobs. If that means anything, anyway. Sold! She's somebody who's known as being just like a really fun, funky, quirky comedian. You know, a lot of people bared their souls as well as various parts of their bodies. And it was, I won't say it was great. I won't say it was bad. It was just really interesting and really fun. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with watching comedians try to be funny in movies, you know what yeah. I mean? It doesn't have to be any more than that, you know? It's called The Little Hours, starring Dave Franco, starring Aubrey Plaza, um, in a combination of, I'll say, her characters from Legion. And Dirty Grandpa. And <laughs> oh, God. And Dirty Grandpa, and Dirty yeah. Grandpa, yeah. yeah, she's like just, if you've ever been to Catholic school and had that nun that was horrible for no reason, but you just knew, like, once that habit comes off, she is just... <laughs> No. That's it, yeah. That was really Aubrey tapped Plaza into something there with you, didn't it? Um, hey, um, so it's Little Hour starring Aubrey Plaza, Kate McCucci, uh, Molly Shannon, and I recommend people check this out. It's a fun time. That's uh, all it has to be, man. That's all it has to be. All right, so we've just about run out of time. This has been The Geek Down here on WEMFRadio.com. I hope you're all checking us out on twitch.tv slash The Geek Down. If you weren't, you can go there for the uh, records of the show, past shows, etc. And also be sure to hit us up on Facebook, on Twitter. Um, also, we're on YouTube. We're on SoundCloud, all over the place. Um, we are everywhere. We, we, are, we control the horizontal. Yeah, there, the there's vertical. more archived material on YouTube, so definitely hit up that. Absolutely. And you can catch us every Monday nights right here on WMFRadio.com. And I want to thank Black Adam Willis. Yes, sir. I want to thank Just Johnny. Yo. Yep. I want to thank Mix McCobb. Buenos Nachos. I want to thank DJ Herbie Herb. Woo! Oh, and Nachos. <laughs> and I want to thank Good Wes nachos? Hazard. <laughs> really, I want to thank Wes Hazard for joining us. And uh, be sure to check out myself. And Mix McCobb on that great panel. Indeed. And hopefully you'll check us out. I know a thing or two about Comic Con. Mm, I've maybe watched a couple episodes of Star Trek. 
<laughs> all right. And we'll catch you all next Monday. Same bad time, same bad channel. Until then, be excellent to each Peace. other. Peace.